Hello, everybody, and welcome to G-Wiz, your family-friendly podcast where we discuss D&D Onslaught, Dice Masters, Heroclix, and the other entertaining games made by WizKids. I'm WizDad, that growing mountain of miniatures that you don't exactly have space for. Can you put all of me on display? Will your significant other be mad? Or will you hide me in a closet and shame? I will be your guide for navigating the competitive and casual scenes of the WizKids Triforce of gaming. It's Onslaught Wednesday. Today you'll hear part one of my interview with the 2023 D&D Onslaught World Champion Brian Davis in the Fishing with Wizdag segment. However, we do have some news to talk about in the WizKids Progress Report, so let's head straight over there. Alright, some housekeeping things to talk about at the beginning. Yeah, you'll hear later the in the Fishing with Wizdag segment we will be talking with Brian Davis the champion, the world champion of D&D Onslaught. This is a interview I recorded a couple days ago. Um, I'm breaking it up. I will be putting the video of it, at which you could see both of our beautiful faces and some of the related information we're talking about. I will be putting that on the YouTube page. There's also a section of the interview where we will, you won't hear it on this episode, but later episodes we talk about the tear maker I made. Um, that one is much better to hear on the YouTube page because you'll be able to see the tier maker. So stay tuned for that. We do have some news to talk about with um, solicits. I didn't get to record a Monday episode, unfortunately. Uh, I was kind of editing and, and working on the, the interview with Brian and it, and it kind of got a little, little out of control. But Let's talk a little bit about what's coming out this month. Everything has been given a release date, except for the D&D Classics Collection, Monsters K through N. Everything else has a set like date. And once again, if you're new to the podcast, I go through the solicits, which are kind of, I think it's how stores, you can, it's the easiest way to figure out when something is coming out by WizKids. If it's on the solicits, stores can't really order it. Like, that's my understanding. Um, and usually when they have a release date, if they have a month and a year, that means it's anticipated being that month, but they don't can't really confirm it until there's actually a date. So for example, the Dungeons and Dragons Mind Flayer Funny Plush by Kid Robot is was slated for February 1st, has 2-1-2024 on there. So that means that's an actual release date. That's actually coming out on that day. Uh, same with, um, you know, today, Funny enough, should be the Harley Quinn Roses for Red for Heroclix. That has a February 7th date on there. Um, I'll be going over the dials for Roses for Red, by the way. And all the other previews that we've talked about. I'll be covering that on Friday's episode uh, with for Heroclix Friday. We do have dates for the Star Trek Attack Wing. Remember, I, I was kind of surprised. We have faction packs coming out. We have the ad ad Adversaries of Delta Quadrant, Lost in the Delta Quadrant, and these are the voyages. They're all three are coming out on the twenty-first, so two weeks from today, they will be coming out. Which, hey, kudos to Attack Wing man, Star Trek Attack Wing coming back after kind of a a break. That gives me a little bit more hope with Dice Masters. The fact that Star Trek Attack Wing is is making a return that that's pretty spectacular. The Gotham Villains monthly OP kit for HeroClix is set for the twenty-eighth. That's a pretty big monthly OP kit. Um, I talked about I talked about it a little bit, I think, last week or the week before. It is an OP kit that has um, 
the Joker and the Penguin, I believe, that allow you to bring monsters with the keyword, uh, monster keyworded characters, 50 points or under to Gotham City Underworld, and they take damage, they turn back into the Joker, but that's pretty, you know, that's some competitive figures in that set, in that OP kit, so do keep an eye out for that. The other thing worth mentioning specifically for Onslaught, uh, once again, the only release we have for Onslaught currently is the Sellswords 2 Golden Glory. Well, good news, we do have a date. There is actually an official date now. It's one of only two things in March <laughs> that have a set date. March 6th, that is awesome. That is early. That means you can get your Sellswords 2 and potentially play them at Adepticon. They don't have an official like legality list like Heroclix does, but even if it was Heroclix related, it would be legal because that's at least two weeks, a little bit, a little bit more than two weeks from when Adepticon happens in March. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm looking forward to Cell Swords Two. Uh, if I'm gonna buy it day one, if I can, and we'll talk about it when it releases, or if we get some more previews. And uh, we'll we'll start building some cell swords because I'm I really like the cell swords in general. Um, I should mention we did get a little sneak peek. Uh, Nicholas Yu, one of the designers, did put in the Discord a couple days ago a small minor cell swords to spoiler, and it's one of the abilities says Warren Song after you're hit by a melee attack reduce the cooldown of Blade Chant by one, so. Ooh, who knows it's a blue card um that just shows how you know excited i am for this new set to be to be talking about that besides that um not much to talk about once again uh, most of the hero click stuff i will be talking about on friday um onslaught related we've got the part two will be next week of my interview with brian and brian was a fantastic guest um great great interview we will, um, I, I hope to be doing more discussions with him because uh, the man loves D&D Onslaught definitely more than I do just because of the amount of love he has for it. And he is a joy to talk to about kind of the different aspects of it. And he presents, you know, I look at it more, not casually, because I do play competitive Onslaught. I look at it more for like some of the story-driven aspects and he is more of the... Um, I guess the competitive side, like looking at it from a numbers perspective, um, looking at it from victory points, like a little more clearly world champion, right? So definitely stay tuned for some of the subsequent interviews. I hope to be doing some with him, maybe get Lexi on at some point too. It would be nice to talk to some more people about Onslaught. And I'm hoping to do that also with Heroclix and Dice Masters. I still have interviews to do lots of that. But I think that's it for for the um for WizKids progress report i think let's just go ahead and just jump into the interview with brian davis get your gear little man we're going fishing and i mean now at the end of everything it'll be uh, i'll edit what i need to edit out and I'll, I'll ultimately have it where at the end of the video you say how much you love zelsha and how it's your favorite character out of all the characters which character zailsha zailsha whatever the bard the poison bard, bard. Um, oh 
I just, I just, actually, I just got home from flying on a flight with a buddy of mine, and I was like, oh yeah, that's the Bard. Uh, I hate them. They're bad. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, it's so bad. I, I, and it makes, we could talk about it a little bit, but that's the reason why I don't like it. Also, is because I play a lot of D and D. Do you play D and D? Yeah, we were playing. Well, we were playing Pathfinder before we played Onslaught. So, so I play a in one of my campaigns. A, one of my friends' campaigns he's running. We're doing Eberron, and uh, I play a creation bard, a school of creation. And so Zaleshaw, which I if I probably butcher the names right, they you know what they probably need to come out with a this is the official saying. Yeah, because I I realize you, you ever read a book and you the name is in your head and you don't know that's mm -hmm. actually like Did how you, you pronounce um... it. Did you read, have you read The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher? I have it on my shelf. I don't think I've finished the first book, but. Oh man, okay, first you should, it's really good. Second, um, I listened to the audiobooks for it. Um, mm. And so I'll hear names and then I'll wanna be like, oh, I wanna read up more on this character and just get like a condensed information on all the characters. So like, I'll try Googling it and like tapping, like adding Dresden Files helps a ton, but they'll be like, I'll try and spell it out how it sounds in my head. I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't pronounce it like that at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens to me a lot. And when I went through like the tier maker or I'm discussing pieces, I'm like, how do you pronounce that? And then also a lot with, um, you know, I'm used to using pronouns and for some of the characters, mm -hmm. you're, you know, there's no backstory to the character, so like, it's like... Nerith is a girl. Do you know that? Which one? Nerith. The, um... Oh, the... The, the Harper Road. I did not know Nerith was a girl. Girl, apparently. Yeah. So, so say it's Nick. Yeah, there's some that, that I'm like, well, I mean, I'll just say their name. And then I... That's why, like, I say their name so often when I'm doing, like, videos or talking about them on the podcast... And that's where I'm kind of like, I hope I'm saying these right because some of, some of them I'm like, I don't want to like misidentify them, even though there's no official like they haven't come out. Some of the, like some of the names are just like by pronunciation, or like if right. I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's, it's it's the Red Wizard Bard. Ta-da. Right, and then some of them I just don't want to try to say because they're just difficult. Like I just mm -hmm. don't want to rock pyrotrix. I just call them Rocky. Like. It's so much easier than try to uh, rock we do roxy yeah i think rock Pyrex is also a girl so we, we say roxy opposed to rocky uh, but like you don't you don't know these things i mean it's it's a dragon it's not like it has <laughs> mammary glands to like be like oh yeah <laughs> so you're the world champion of D, &D onslaught i guess the first right first official world champion um yeah. <laughs> yeah so let me what did you do I, i'm kind of going out of the not out of these questions that you see on screen That's all right. so how does it how did it feel winning the being the first world champion i mean it's a new game the future who knows like how many world champions so, are going to be so how did it feel right yeah um i mean it felt good obviously it's it's you know it's it's very cool to win a game and then i get to you know parade around a trophy to people that I know and be like, oh, I won Worlds for this thing, and they go, oh, that sounds really hard. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, Don't freak out. I got your so, yeah, picture I mean, on it's, screen. It's cool, and then hopefully there'll be a, a lineage of world winners to where I'm just, I was first in line, you know? 
Yeah, definitely. So what got you into D&D Onslaught? Like, how did you find the game? What got you into playing it? Um, so I had a buddy um, shoot me the, like, there was a like a set of rules that just uses like Grabble and Brachial and like two other characters. It was like it was like the, the it was like the learn to play to get people interested in the game initially. I had a buddy send me those rules and I I, I, I read through them. And I'm like, oh hey, this plays exactly like um Fancy Flight game Imperial Assault, which I really liked. Yeah. And so I was just like, Oh yeah. I'm I'm gaming for this. It's it's D and I like D and D. It plays like a game I previously played and liked. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, let's let's let's, let's get into it. And uh, I bought it, cracked it out, and uh, played it with my dad. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. And um, yeah. When did you? Because it launched officially in January of last year. So when did you hop on the train? I guess. Uh, February. Okay. Um, like February, like middle of February. Yeah. Okay, and so what, what what was like? How was your local scene? Um, uh, you know, it dropping in January, it had a kind of a, I'll say a rough start. I, I've never sugarcoated it. Oh, yeah. the, ga- the game has been, yeah, slow. But I think that's because a little bit of fumbling out of the gate. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. We we are where we are now. So you get the game, you play it, you you're interested in it. How did you? What's your local scene so- like, and how did it grow? So I uh, so when I first got the game, I was living in North Carolina, and I moved about two three months afterwards. Um, so I moved uh, to where I'm living now in St. Louis, and I had a friend of mine, Lexi, who she also um, got into the game because of other circumstances and stuff like that. And so we were able to um, get a lot of practice together. Uh, just, you know, playing a bunch. So it's mostly her and I. We have a couple other people who are, we, like, salvage from the X-Wing community who um, we play. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get this to teleport into my laptop so I can die halfway through this. <laughs> uh, so um, so there's a handful of people. Uh, Lexi and I are the most consistent people. Um, and so we will... Here for a second... <laughs> Hello. Um, so yeah, so it's it's mostly. I think there's locally we have at least six to eight people wow. who do own the game and play. They don't come out and play like on, mostly again, just me and Lexi. But sure. like, there are people who like like when we did the when we did the um, the construct kit. Like people come out yeah. for the construct kit. Like that's a good like that is in my opinion one of the best things is like doing constructed kits is a really great idea. Yeah, that's always been, I guess before I start into that, what is your history with WizKids products or WizKid in general? Is this kind of your first foray in them, into their kind of stuff? or? Yes, I believe so. I don't think I've, I've, I've done anything okay. else with them. I think this is my first WizKids game in general. Okay, so I say that to pre- I preface that to say, um, you know, that's kind of, I won't say they're bread and butter, but they have had a history of like doing storyline OP events a um, couple times a year where they'll they'll send stuff to the store. Sometimes they also do, at least for Hero Clicks, they've popped out like monthly OP kits. Here's a couple figures. Um, you know, you could play how you want to play it, but Onslaught, I think, opens itself to 
um, probably not monthly, that's a little much, but maybe, uh, like, you know, a monthly scenario that you could play and have it as a league. I think a league would be a cool way to have on slot, like a longer year-long league, or break it up into chunks, right? Kind of like Ancient Construct, but not necessarily have to have all the forms of the construct, right? Like, you can... Yeah. You could break it up into different pieces. Um, but yeah, that has been their forte. Like, they've, they've done that with Hero Clicks for a long time. They did it with Dice Masters for a bit, where they've been into the storyline. They build a story with it. And the scenarios for the Ancient Construct, I haven't been able to play them, play them, because we hadn't run the event locally yet. Because um, it's, for me, locally, it's like me and my friend trying to get, you know, some other people involved. I meet up with people every once in a while. Um, but I ran through the scenarios for the podcast and um, they were cool. Like I thought they were really intriguing ways to also use because I think all of them are on the core map, right? I don't think any of They're are... both on the core map. Yeah, they use, they use core one and two. Which is smart, obviously. Not everyone had Frogmire at the time. Um, but I think it was unique ways of utilizing that core map, I think was... Yeah, and then you Good. have like scenario three that had the arena where you use like the the center like bias to like be like its own little thing, and that was always really cool. Yeah, like some rock and sock and robots is how I imagined it in my head because they're right both in the middle. But yeah, I I I, I am still basically when it came out and we finally got the kit for us locally, it was December, ish, and so it was with Christmas. It's like ah, we can't really get anybody. That's, yeah, that's around when we got the kit too, where it was like okay, well. We want people, but then like, oh, we got holiday plans. We got this. We got that. And then the store that has the holiday kit, uh, holiday kit. The store that has the gold kit is like closed for a little bit to move. Uh, so it's it's a uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. So how often do you play with Lexi or whoever? How often do you guys meet up and play? Um, we try and meet up at least once a week. Uh, when we're like back before like Gen Con and World, we were we were cranking out like probably four to six games a week. We would meet two times a week to like practice runs and you know, test out new stuff and, and yeah. Okay, now you're just making me jealous this whole time because I wish I could play weekly. <laughs> what a, do you play any other games? Move, move, move to St. Louis. I'll, I'll play with you all the time. Do you uh do you play any other games besides Onslaught regularly? Um no. <laughs> Unless you count like League of Legends, but that's that's, uh, that's not really a board game. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a bit about um, let's talk a little little bit about the immediate future of Onslaught, and then we'll talk about long term. So the immediate future is the only thing we know is coming currently is Cell Swords Two, um, which I was really sad it didn't come out actually in January. Mm -hmm. Though hearing. You know, when we got the announcement in December that it was coming in January, yeah. I was like, that's not how you guys work. Like, there's no way. And I, on my podcast, I do almost okay. almost every day I do, um, I look at the solicits, which is what the stores use to purchase. And it tells you the dates everything's supposed to be released. And so it was never on the solicits mm -hmm. the entire time. So, uh, it was pretty yeah. pretty clear it wasn't going to be coming out. Um, so, I'm excited about the Cell Swords too because I kind of like the Cell Swords. Um, 
I like I like this whole team a lot. I think they'd be interesting as a team. I'm interested to see the other three. Um, my personal opinion of the construct is it's kind of a trap. I feel like, um, or at least maybe not necessarily a trap, but it's it's very much high risk high reward. Um, I think like the warrior construct that can like charge up for the big like eight swing hit is interesting. But like if you charge up the experience and then make the swing and then you miss, like you're you take in your like your your two characters is that much nothing with them for a couple turns to like make that big charge hit. Um, which doesn't really feel good. And then like after you miss the activation, it's it can get to be a lot slower and all this stuff. So um I, I that's that's for, for for the construct at least. For the rest of them, um like I think Tengaku's pretty good. I like I've 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 talked extensively about how much I like Molly. Um Drom, I keep trying Drom. I, I wanna like Drom. He's interesting. I think like there's not a lot of incentive to like hit him, which is good right. for like scenarios like the horde where he's just gonna send this point and be like, Okay, I, I live here, come come here with me. Um I like Kithra a lot. Uh, Kithra was like one of our build like Zentrum. I'll, I'll throw Kithra in there, because she's just a really good ranged beast. Um, uh, Akanki, or Akani, whatever, the, 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 the artificer, the artificer, whatever. I, I, I've been, pre I've been pre pronouncing it Akanke, just because that sounded neat. Akanke? Okay. Just, but I don't know. I don't know um, if that's it. I think, I think as a piece, um, I think she's pretty good. Uh, the boosted, like, it's a really contested slot, so it's kind of hard to, like, evaluate. But like right. The um, the boosted condition is really good. Uh, speed speed's king. Oh yeah. Um, she can heal twice for four, which is which is a really big chunk. And then especially if you level her up and get the um, the, get the upgrade card that allows you to add another charge to it. So you're just like boom. That's twelve healing. That's a lot of healing. Yeah, I think with the healing, the the back to back, I think is what I like about it because most healing out there is just heal i've got a cooldown so if you miss if you miss it's a little bit more forgiving but right if you misplay that healing you heal but they get back to you it's like well it's on cooldown i gotta so, like, do something I think, like excluding excluding the construct like those five pieces together i think it's a, a serviceable list it's uh a little lacking in range which hurts because like drawing doesn't have any range attacks um uh, Hungaku has the kith, uh, the not kith, uh, what do you call it? Kentai shot that can hit from pretty far away. Yeah. Um, but they're all kind of like uh, slow-ish, which isn't great because like Molly's range attack is 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 pillows. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, yeah. I'll be interested to see what the barbarian, the wizard, what was the other one? Barbarian is a wizard. Was it a cleric? I don't remember what the last one was. I don't remember. They mentioned they mentioned yeah. in the Discord, and I I honestly don't remember. Um, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, the way I feel about like Drom, it's like he, I keep looking at Tavern Brawler, and I keep thinking, okay, you know, there's got to be some combos that work with that, to where you can. Like block would be decent. Right, but I find myself like, the people I want to pair him with, are likely in the same role. Or it's just, I can't fit it on the team I want to fit it on, because I'd have to sacrifice someone who's way better. Um, right. Like, the hybrid slot's such a good slot, and that's why 
like most of the time when I'm like, oh yeah, X next like so and so's character is really cool, and they'll be like, uh, I don't really run them. It's mostly because of the slot they're in. I'm like, okay, but the person that I want to put the slot in is already like better. So like, if you're looking at Zentrum for the hybrid slot, you're looking at like Bedlam or Zod, which both of them are phenomenal pieces. And it's like, well, I lose a bunch of range if I put them in, and like, sure, the Barakiel combo with like. Rockiel applying smite on top of like draw Marty next to you. You're like, what do I do? Where do I go? Well, but then like you don't have any range. It feels really bad. I almost feel like Drom and Hengaku should switch roles because when I think of Drom as as a hybrid, hybrid to me is they can mix a little bit of melee and range, or they have one role with with something else. like melee, but they can heal or range like. To me, hybrid means they can kind of do more things. And I feel like with Drom, I know he's kind of a, to use a, a CC effectively, like he can crowd control a little bit with grapple. But I feel like Hengaku with the range and the close, that feels almost more like a, a hybrid to me. And then Drom would be the melee. But obviously, I don't, I don't design these things. So I think it's, know. I think it's the runes that like give you. Yeah, I pulled up my phone here. I think it's the runes that give you like the hybrid things. Like, oh well, you take Marsalt once you get rounded down, or like Cloud Rune, you go ah, oh, I kind of get hit by the X Pack. I think um, I think it'd be it. So. I think it'd be interesting to hear from um, Alex or Nicholas about this of like the design decisions going into defining roles for characters. Like hearing, okay, mm -hmm. the reason why we so have like, assigned this. And like Lexi and I were talking the other night about like how uh, like when you look at the roles and and what they like uh, what they're what they're supposed to represent like if you look at like I think I think Sedona should probably be a tactician um, and Abelio is the hybrid because like Sedona like all of her stuff is support in the way of like she can do the range stuff but also like the tactician is the like the twitching you to move over there or hybrid or not hybrid sorry uh, uh have not gazing like someone to like make them to do something or be in a different position stuff like that and like abelio has the like the acid slot or the thorn whip sorry and then also the uh he can turn to a wolf and like be melee, so I think like role wise, that that I think that switch is also pretty good. Yeah, that makes sense because he that, like right, like that's that's my thought process. That that would make more sense in terms of like being um, tac tactical and because like you look at like the other tacticians, so you have um, like Nurith um, pushes you, pulls you, roots you, does you know. Positional changes, right? Um, you look at Basra, who uh, has like this really big, like, it's a five by five bubble of like, hey, I'm gonna hang out here, and if you want to come in here, I'm going to hurt you for doing so. Right. Um, let's see, what who's the other tactician? Uh, Pluck um, from Many Arrows does the roots, so like he also controls movements. Like everyone who controls movement, I think, has been t typically given the tactician role. Uh, other than Molly, who shares Nerith's ability to manipulate initiative cards. Right. Now, I will say for Abelio, though, I think the reason he falls into Tactician is because of the spike growth, in my opinion. Like, 
having a little bit of map manipulation sort of yeah right um controlling you know mm -hmm. blo just blocking off a path effectively and just like nope you're not going this way i i, I could see that's why they lean that direction with him i'll um I'll offer you a counterpoint, which is the Many Arrows Cleric. Um, one of her upgrades allows you to put the same wall, or like put the, puts a wind wall uh, in, a, in a spot. And uh, she's a uh, healer class. And then... Which one is that? You said puts up a wind wall? Wind barrier. Wind barrier, yeah. Uh, uh, dry wound. It's, uh, I guess it's not a good way to do that. Uh, um, right. It's the mini arrow. I see it. The, the healer. Right, she heals. Or her, she heals. The heal, heal uh, class, the healing role. And she, she also throws up a wind wall. I guess it's I... Not, it's, not, it's, it's not quite the spike growth. Right, I guess I, I I didn't look at it too much purely because it's a level up ability, so I didn't think about it from that aspect. But you're right, mm -hmm. you're right. It, it is a um, very very similar. But that's what I I guess that's effectively what I mean. It's I I would be intrigued for them to do like WizKids for HeroClix has done design insights, so when they're coming out with a new mechanic, they'll mm -hmm. do they'll post an article and they'll explain the thought process behind it. Um, why they're doing it you know I, I think that'd be cool to hear like okay when you're designing a new character what what goes into deciding this character falls into the realm we think this is the tactician is it they make the faction and then they kind of just have the roles and figure out which one on the faction these different roles go to um because i could see it being that way right they look at all the harpers and they say okay uh we think Abelio is going to be the best tactician because we think Sedona should be this or something. If they keep it like within the faction, mm -hmm. yeah, I get you. All right, that would be good. It'd be good to have that kind of insight to see how they do things. So let's talk a little bit about Adepticon. Um, that's the next major tournament. Okay, uh, WizKids is um, adapted this whole model now, not just with Onslaught, but with uh, HeroClix is kind of taking a little bit of that as well. Of hey, let's we're going to be at these conventions anyway. Let's do tournaments at these conventions. And so um, yeah. this is the first time I think they've done a lot at, at Adepticon. I don't even know if they've been to Adepticon before. Um, but They were at Adepticon last year. Okay. Well, they didn't do Heroclix, I guess I should say. They did very little. Um, so they're having a big tournament there as well. So I know a lot of friends are going. I wasn't originally... I was going to go for Onslaught anyway. And now I'm also okay. going because of hero clicks it's kind of like both um yeah. so your thoughts about adepticon there's not much change we obviously don't know the scenarios yet um i it'll be soon i hopefully decently soon like march beginning of march hopefully that they'll post what change whatever mm -hmm. tournament scenarios i don't know if we'll change any tournament scenarios uh i brought up nick uh, one of the frog actually so one of the fro all of the frogmire scenarios uh, if you choose to include the construct which you are um, legally able to 
there are no rules on how you are able to place a construct on it. Mm. Um, because none of the boxes fit the right. construct in it. Um, and like additionally, if you play uh, the traitor Frogmire scenario, which requires you to let two, you can save two of your characters and let two of well, let uh, your opponent pick from one of three of your characters. How is the construct counted in those scenarios? Like, can I just offer one of my construct activations and we get like shared custody? Or... <laughs> <laughs> that'd be kind. Actually, that'd be uh, kind of interesting fighting against yourself one activation I, you move this way you move back it just means you end up like shifting back and forth really weird it'd be really bad um, yeah they they need to come up uh, with an explanation on it of some sort of like yeah that that is i hadn't thought about that yeah that's that's what i spend a lot of my time doing is just reading and rereading scenarios and going oh well how does this work um the, uh, the rescue, they move some of the Bollywoods, so now on the first turn, they run, like, on either path, however you take them, they're going to sacrifice their prisoner on the first turn, which is probably not intended, so I, I would hope that there's a version 3 before March, <laughs> before Decathlon, um, so that it just shortens the game length. Um, right. It'd be cool. It'd be. I don't know if they're. I don't know how much they're obligated to tell you what scenarios they're using before the event. Um, yeah, because we don't. You know, there hasn't necessarily been a set standard, right? Of this is how we do things. I know for worlds, right? They changed them up and released them a couple weeks ahead of time, and said, "Here's." Uh, they released them a week ahead of time. A week ahead of time. Um, yeah. which which I think is fine. You know, right? That gives. I mean, a little bit more time would be okay, like two to three if, weeks. If it were new scenarios, so like I don't, as a base, I'm inherently against like we're gonna release new scenarios for a tournament because it's not like the type of tournament that you're signing up for. But then, if we are going to release scenarios before an event, I think they should at least be on maps we can practice on because like it wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much ah. to. Right, it wouldn't bother me nearly as much to go, okay, well, on the A side of the corset map, we're going to run this new scenario as a final. And that at least gives players time to, like, set their map and go, okay, well, these pieces are here. How does this, how does, what's the breakdown here? Um, but, like, throwing new scenarios at people, I don't think is a good way to um, conduct, like, a world, right? Because, like, in Swiss, I lost a game to Doug, one of my one of my guys. Um, in Swiss, on day two, because we played um, we played the rescue. Ironically, what we're talking about, uh, we played the rescue, and um, we realized a turn before he won. Not even a turn, an activation before he won that there was nothing I could do to win because he was going to save last prisoner, and then the round would end. Mm -hmm. And like if I had the rest of a turn or if I played my turn differently, maybe if I could like scrap a win out of that, but because we didn't understand the scenario well enough to like play it properly, I didn't realize I was in a losing position until we were like, oh, well, I guess I lost, which isn't a great feel good at a tournament right. when you go, oh, I lost because of a thing I'm, I'm unaware of, opposed to like, oh man, I... Um, played a gen con against robert and i misplayed and then i lost and like that feels bad but like that's 
I'm I'm bad, not like right. I didn't understand how the scenario worked because I didn't have time to like absorb all the information. I think there's probably a good happy medium because I do think there needs to be stability as far as you know these scenarios, certain scenarios are going to be there. They're not going to have change. You're, you'll be able to practice, prepare a bit, right? And there's not a lot of confusion. I do like some of the aspects of here's a scenario that's been changed, um, whether that may be changed a little bit. I don't know if they could do it kind of like in golf. You know how on golf they change where the, the hole is, the pin, or where where the hole is. Like the green stays mm -hmm. the same, but they like shift the hole around uh, every so often or each tournament or something. So that way you're not playing the hole the exact same way every single time. Um, so if they had different variations of scenarios, the same scenario, like rescue one, rescue two, where they've just like shifted things slightly different, and you don't know which version of the rescue you're getting, but you're going to get it. You you know all of them, but you don't know which one you're getting in that scenario, like that time. Or I, I do like a little bit of having to adapt on the fly and being like, okay, I've got to pick my team right, and I've got to figure it out. The problem is that the game is still new, and you know, playing with just the core set, the core set was in, inherently basic on purpose. And then we saw them expand greatly with Frogmire. That is Frogmire, right? Yeah. Expand with Frogmire yep. with uh, yeah with a lot of more in-depth scenarios that are. It's not just PvP every single time, right? We got more scenarios that's like mm -hmm. it's PVE and PvP if you want. Um, so I I could see them you know expanding on that and but you're right I I agree with the there's some confusion on some of the scenarios, right? If it's a brand new scenario and it's not been introduced or it, it hasn't been, you know, I think would it have been better if it was on a map that you could actually lay it out and play it? Was the map part of the problem? Or is it just a brand new scenario and not enough time? Um, The map was part of it because like, I, so, even even first off, like I don't, I don't like the Frogmire maps. I think, think they are difficult to move through for like the sake of being difficult to move through, mm -hmm. and like it does give, it does give factions with the ability to ignore that a advantage. Yeah, because um, you don't have to worry about like oh how many spaces can my can my character move here. Um, I think that. Uh, <clears throat> Um, I think part of it was definitely the new map where they're like, okay, well, we have, you know, all this, this stuff to deal with. I don't, like, to speak more on, like, the variations, like, I don't even mind if there's a variation. Like, I think it'd even be cool to have, like, a scenario that, like, there was a cooked in, like, um, like, you have to find a thing and then like run it back to your end zone or find a thing and like run it to their end zone or something like that but you have to find it first so like mm -hmm. this known position is like there's you know a handful of positions on the map that um that you have to go find it and then and then take it or put it somewhere or whatever right so that way like it can't be run the same way because it's it's randomized right um, i think that something like that would be pretty cool or like 
that way it's not like a game plan like okay turn one i do this then turn two i do this and turn three i do this and then oh look you lost right like that's maybe not interesting um hidden for like hidden information is what makes a mostly tactics game interesting because it gives you the strategy of like what do i do with almost perfect information and like part of it you get is the rolls like i don't like when i have gravel shanks take a you know shot at um LaSalle, I don't know if I'm gonna hit, and like that's the that's the hidden information aspect. But if you add like another layer to that, I don't think that that's bad. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. I think there's I, the way I've explained it with onslaught is that I I feel like as a game it has so much potential because there's so many different avenues. Like there's enough wrinkles in the game that I think it could keep getting in depth uh, like deeper without being overly complicated. Like, Heroclix has become a game that's kind of overly complicated at times. Like, there's a lot of times where you play okay. you play that game and you're like, this is a lot of rules, a lot of powers. It's a little difficult. Um, Onslaught, I think, sits in that nice well where, where, sure, you can have some complicated scenarios outside of the competitive scene. Um, and the competitive scene, like, that's how they've done the tournament scenarios, right? Like, the tournament scenarios, they usually... You, it's a Frogmire scenario. They've removed some NPCs. They've like shaken some things up a little bit because it's got to be a lot shorter rounds. Typically, it's like eight down to five or something, right? Um, six. Or yeah. six, yeah. So I like that aspect of it. And it makes designing, I feel like, easier too because it's like, well, we don't have to come up with a whole new scenario. We're using scenarios we already have. We take that template, shade it down a little bit. Um, yeah. So going back to Adepticon a little bit... Um, you don't have to tell me exactly which faction you're leaning towards, but what what are you thinking when it comes to like what what is your first off? What's your favorite faction? Do you have a favorite one? Uh, the Zentrum. I, I like the Zentrum a lot. Um, I I just like the you know the the because like, like Zentrum are like the mercenaries without being the Salvatorians. They're you know the the quick and dirty. We're gonna do do what it takes as a, like as a, as a faction wise or they're like I, I like they're, they're definitely they're the bad guys they're in the same vein as like the red wizards they're they're not good people but you know the i'll do any job if you pay me enough kind of kind of deal so what did you have you played Baldur's gate 3 oh yeah yeah so definitely. were you like tickled a little bit when they were in the game and you're like this is awesome like Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah. I'll bring the cast back. I'm not gonna open it, of course, because I want to get paid, you know. And then, oh, you'll use my services later. Absolutely. Yeah. When I get to to Baldur's Gate, you can absolutely like just give me money, and I'll do whatever you want. It was nice because it, it's you know when you start playing a D and D onslaught, you see the factions. You know it's in the D and D world, but it sometimes you don't realize. No, these are real factions. Like, sure, the individual characters made up for the game right like there's no javika that we know of um right but seeing the actual factions like looking into them and be like yeah this faction exists like it's a real it's a thing within the world of um, and like i think the honor of thieves was also a really big deal because like the main characters are harpers and then you have the red wizards being like the primary antagonist like the, those are all you know big deal big deal stuff yeah yeah. So, what fact are you leaning Zentarum? I I call them Zentarum. I don't know what their pronunciation is. I'm bad at that. Um, um I believe in Baldur's Gate three they are referred to as the Zentarum. Zentarum. Okay. Yeah. I just usually end up shorthanding it for Zents. Sure. Um, 
as far as factions I'm leaning towards, uh, probably Harper's again. Um, I think even with the inspiration nerf, I think Harper is just still in a pretty good spot. Now, would it change your mind if the tournament scenarios we got were more movement reliant? Because I feel like the Zents are just inherently better at movement. Like they oh, just they super are. Um, so I think that I so I think no because like in terms of being inherently movement based, unless they were like we're not using any Frogmire scenarios, I'd be like, well, okay, let's 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 take a step back, let's figure out what's going to be more 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 better here. Um, but I think that that'd be guaranteed that like we're not going to use in terms use in terms of uh, Frogmire scenarios. Yeah, um, yeah, because of basically air and Nerith, right? Air and Nerith. Yeah, because they they ignore most of that like most of the map we were talking about earlier. Like, oh, the map's really hard to get around. Air and Nerith do not care about that. And it turns out if you throw in Grabble in that mix too with his range six, he also doesn't care about that. And there's like no blocking terrain, so like he continues to not care as he sits upon his elevation one like pedestal and just goes, "Hey, everyone." arrows for all worms here <laughs> um yeah i don't know how they fix that um like harper's or or that that map i guess the map i'm thinking how do you how do you fix water terrain without just making it purely oh it's not hindering terrain for movement how do you make that to where it's not so beneficial for people with high movement or the people that ignore terrain like iron nerf you treat it i think i think a, a, a fix could be um you treat it as if you are entering or leaving a water space it costs two 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 movement points like as you get into the water or as you get out of the water it costs two so that way if you're amphibious you still get the benefit of i still go one two and then if you are it doesn't punish odd movement because you can get into the waters two and then go one two three or yeah. get out of the water, go one, two, three, take two to get out of the water. Um, obviously, if you're flying, you still ignore it. I think that would be the best, like, because it's not elevation, um, because then you just would pay it going down or going up. Um, so I think getting both ends of it, so it's like it's not hindering terrain because you don't pay two for everything. Um, it's just you pay two to get in or pay two to get out. I think that would be the most. And that falls in line. That falls in line with elevated. Uh, no, because elevation you don't pay two to get off of. I guess that's true. That's true. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically you could just fall into water, right? <laughs> I'm playing. Um, I do like that. I do like that change because there has been a lot of times, a majority of the times, I'm trying to get into water with odd movement, and it just mm -hmm. feels weird. Where it's like I feel like I should be able to go three, but I can't because I've, I've can only go two because of the way that yeah. the squares lined up i couldn't get a little bit yeah, extra movement spot. yeah mm -hmm. and especially on the maps with so much water that you could just get stuck out there in the middle of water and it's like well yeah. that in a game where movement is already like king where movement speed is by far one of the most important stats of the game adding water to make it where it's even more important that you either have a high movement or you just ignore uh, and like, and then you have, um, you have like the Kithras or the Ruby Eyes, where they're like, 
oh yeah, my base boot movement speed is three, so I'm going nowhere ever. Yep. Is uh doesn't feel doesn't feel good. Yeah, I think that I think that would be a, a reasonable change, but you'd have to really go back and look at all the scenarios if oh, you made you that change. <laughs> you can't you can't have like you can't have um, the trader like you can't have that be the change because then you're like oh yeah my trader just sprints they just they just book it they all boogie yep and that's not that's not healthy I mean it's um you change. You'd have to change the uh, the bullet. Like you have, to, you have to change so much of it to like make that fix. Where it need an entire revamp to like figure out how you do that. Honestly, I think you should just remove like the trader. I win the game aspect of it. Um, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any benefit to like a, a lot of scenarios where they go. Oh well, when this condition happens, the game ends at the end of the round. I'm like, ah, why don't we just actually like play the game since we're playing the game? Right. You know? Um. I think there's there's a lot of scenarios where if you change it to be like the Eden is probably the prime. I, I I have there's like two solutions for the Eden in my mind. Um, solution one is you kill the Eden, the walls go away, and then like gnolls and or kobolds um, spawn out, and like you have to mm -hmm. deal with the other party or kill the gnolls and kobolds, and they'll be worth like kobolds are maybe just annoying, and the gnolls are worth like a point or two, and then enemy characters are worth a point or two. That way, it's not like a uh, a race to the bottom, as it were. Um, yeah, and that makes sense. And then, or, or or you you forego the spawning of extra monsters, and you're just like, okay, the Eden's dead. Slug it out. Let's see who wins. You know, um, I think that's a really good like way to have it be. Because like so before, um, when you had uh, uh, when you had Pre pre inspiration nerf, um, I was able to kill the Etten at the top of round two with Harpers because they could just put out that much damage. And this was after uh, the Cell Swords came out, so I was like, okay, so I have Zengaku, um, Gravel Shanks, Chloe, Sedona, and Lightning Dancer, and I'd be like, okay, we're just gonna blitz blitz the Etten, and then I'm like, oh look, I've done twenty damage to the Etten, and um, You've probably done like an extra ten or so, and the Eden's dead. And that scenario ends. I've done twenty some points. I get like eight points. You've done a bit. You get like three. I win. Like that's not interesting gameplay. Yeah, I I like PVE aspects of the game. Like I do think in those type of scenarios, I think it's cool, but I think it it treads a fine line of exactly what you're talking about, right? Like. Mm -hmm. There's some scenarios where you can get away with no PvP. Like, I, like, uh, which one is it? The rescue? Is it the rescue? The rescue. The rescue, there's... The rescue, you don't need to interact with too. Yeah, there's no benefit to interacting. And I like that, right? Like, effectively, if you get in the mud and you're fighting it out, it's like you're wasting time. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, because uh, the, some of the civilians are potentially dying, right? Isn't there not... Uh, the NPCs could go yeah. for them? So yeah, I, the, the kobolds try and kill them. Yeah, which I think is great, right? Like it, it, I like the cool aspect of we're going against each other, but we're not. Like we're trying to rescue people, but who's gonna like try to interact with the other person and waste that turn? Is it beneficial? Like I kind of like that aspect, but what, you're right in instances where oh, you got to take out this one NPC, this one monster. Um, it. it there has to be other wind conditions. Like I, I agree. I don't think that could be the windage. I'll tell you what. I think 
my favorite scenario is the Horde. Like, by far. My favorite scenario is the Horde. The Horde is such a great scenario for PvPVE. Like, it feels the environment. Because you have, like, you have the moving control points, the, the horde of enemies that are spawning. Um, like, killing a null is worth two. Like, everything's worth two points. So it's a really interesting block of, like, okay, so if you kill a null, it's worth two points. If you get a control point, it's worth two points. If you kill one of their characters, it's worth two points. So it's, like, where do you balance out between right. um, doing all these things? Like, there was a, it was a really, it was a really good game uh, with Luxy at Gen Con. We were in the top uh, four and I used the bulwark shield to push the knoll towards her, so that way when the one of her characters, so that way when the knoll um, was when it was the knoll's turn, it swung at her character and and killed her her Kithra instead of of swinging at my, on my guy. And I'm like that's such an interesting thing. I'm like I'm gonna use the environment to take care of you, and then I get two points for the knoll killing Kithra, and I get an additional two points for when I drop this knoll afterwards. Like, and there's also like really sneaky things you can do. Like, if you have a long range character, it's like you have the two nulls on the side, and they'll like come deal with you. And then you have like your three characters that'll try and kill that null. But then like if one of your two characters that that are across from them have the range or the speed, you can like snipe their their null and like dip. And you're like, okay, I get I get two points, and you don't get those two points. It, it's such a good scenario for like tactically trying to figure out what the best play is. Yeah, it, those are some of the most fun moments, I think, in Onslaught when you get an NPC to attack your opponent. <laughs> like, it's fun hitting your opponent, right? That's always going to be fun. But when you line up the perfect, like, you count squares, you get it exactly right, activations line up, that's one of just, like, not a demoralizing moment for your opponents, but it's just, like, that's the tactical aspect of it I kind of like also, where it's, like, I'm not just I'm not just trying to get victory points. I mean, I am, but like I I've done it in this way to like you're feeling the effects. I I like that's always fun when that when that magic happens. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this episode of G-Wiz. We will have part 2 of the Brian Davis interview next Wednesday and I will see you on Friday for some Hero Clicks talk. Have a great day. <laughs>